This is Sarah Stewart-Holland. And this is Beth Silvers. Thank you for joining us for Pantsuit Politics. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pantsuit Politics, where we take a different approach to the news. We're currently on our summer schedule, which means Beth is out right now enjoying some time by the pool. I have a very special guest host with me here today, my beloved friend, Leslie Foss. Say hello, Leslie. Hi, everybody. Leslie is one of my best friends. We met in law school. Now she lives in California, raising three beautiful boys. The California point is super relevant to the main segment of the show where we're going to talk about California. We're just going to talk about California. Yeah. The state. The best state. That's what Uh, we're going to talk about. uh, (laughs) uh, Okay. Um, And she is actually our resident daylight savings time expert here at Pantsuit Politics. She did more to say with me on the daylight savings time. We're not going to give her any time on the show to talk about that because if we did, we would be here for three hours. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you think. I'll bring it up somehow. Don't worry. (laughs) She's going to make it. She's going to work it in. That's like me at a cocktail party. Watch out. I'm going to talk about (laughs) it. You guys, we'll put the link in the show notes, you guys, and we'll make it available to everyone. She feels so passionately. She's Listen, she's converted me on the daylight savings time issue. But first, we're going to talk about some headlines. We're going to talk about the debt ceiling deal. We're going to talk about Chick-fil-A is woke now because mm-hmm. we've gone all the way, all the way back around. around. All the way back around. All the way. And then we're going to tackle California, and then we're going to wrap up the show, as we always do, outside politics by talking about Leslie's favorite television shows and where they align and diverge from my my personal television viewing habits. So get excited about that. Before we get started, we're going to take a little bit different approach to the summer, and we wanted to invite you to contribute to our summer newsletter. June is Pride Month, Juneteenth, and this year it's the first anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Your experiences and perspectives on these issues and celebrations work on us and our community, and if you have a reflection you'd be willing to share with our audience, please send it to our team at hello at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And if you don't get our newsletter, you can sign up for it in the link in the show notes. Our newsletter is basically just a little love letter from our team to you that we send every Friday. It's free and it's an easy way to support the show and keep up with everything that's going on at Pantsuit Politics. And also, very big announcement. Very, big, You're here for a very big Paducah-focused oh. announcement, which oh. I know you love. Hit me. <laughs> we are going to have a special Pantsuit Politics weekend in Paducah, the weekend of October 21st. We're going to have a live show. Beth's going to teach a yoga class. Mm-hmm. We're going to wait for this one. We're going to do an event with Chef Sarah Bradley. That's what I was waiting for. Uh-huh. You got to come. Okay. You should come. I want That's you to tempting. come. That's tempting. Okay. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have all the details coming later this summer, but we wanted to tell you now, so you save the date. We're going to converge on Paducah. It's going to be amazing. This is your dream come true. All you want to do. It's my dream come true. It's Chef Sarah Bradley's dream come true, as Leslie says. <laughs> you sent me a clip from uh, Top Chef where Sarah was talking about being the quilt capital of the world. And she was like, how much does Big Quilt pay you, Sarah's, to go out there and push Paducah on the rest of the American populace? It's wild. Nothing. We do it for free. Okay. okay. So there you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about some headlines. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I hope you guys don't mind to time travel back with me about a year. I was in the process of resigning myself to the idea that part of middle age for me might mean that my hair was going to slowly turn to straw and fall out of my head. Drama aside, we all know that your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. I have tried other custom beauty products and just found that they kind of make my hair worse. But ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair, yes, but beyond that too. I feel like I don't have to blow dry my hair anymore in order for it to look good because it's stronger, fuller, softer, and just looks nicer. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. My custom shampoo and conditioner, for example, were formulated to improve the smoothness and volume of my hair. And I really see, after months of using my custom formula and tweaking it with the review and refine tool for this season, that I have nice-looking hair all year long. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash pantsuit. So go get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash pantsuit. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash pantsuit. Traditionally, financial planning advice is either only for those who are already wealthy or salespeople calling themselves financial advisors who say they'll give you free financial advice but really just sell products to earn commissions. Fearless Finance takes a dramatic departure from either of those traditional models. Their entire business is built on making financial advice accessible and affordable because we know that financial literacy, stress reduction, and financial security are critical to overall well-being. I'm a little bit obsessed with Elizabeth, our Fearless Finance Advisor. I've had an array of advisors in the past who answered questions like, should we be spending less on this with evasive answers like, it depends on your priorities. Not Elizabeth. She answers with actually helpful guidelines. You're spending more than the average family of five, or I'd like to see this increase by 6%. Uh, thank you. This is Fearless Finance's mission, to make advice affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually and they charge you by the hour. You only pay for the time you use down to a quarter hour. Their planners meet with you where you are on your financial journey, no judgment. Visit fearlessfinance.com today. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit and you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use the code pantsuit. That's fearlessfinance.com and use code pantsuit for $50 off your first planning meeting. No one got everything they wanted, but the American people got what they needed. We averted an economic crisis, an economic collapse. I love that. I love that energy. I wish we could do this really great sort of realignment to nice, normal legislative compromise outside of a process that is radical and ridiculous, Mm -hmm. but I'll take what I can get. Yes. I think we'll all take what we can get at this point. That's the theme of this debt ceiling, I think. I think so. It yeah. was very scary, and it didn't happen. The bad things didn't happen. Nothing super good happened. Nothing super bad happened. Great. Yeah, and it and you see the sort of in the House and the Senate voting, sort of both extremes were mad. 
Yes. The hardcore progressives and the hardcore conservatives were like, we're not going to vote for it. And I say, okay, that's your right. That's what we're here in Congress to do. I actually think that's probably a pretty good sign when both extremes, although I really hate even formulating like that. I do not put Matt Gates and AOC in the same camp of extremism and anywhere close to the same camps. But you get my point. I felt like it was from both sides pretty performatively upset. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I did feel that way. Yeah, I don't know that anybody like I saw them like we're paying the ransom, we're doing the stuff, but we're not happy about it or whatever. But it's like, are you really <laughs> mad about it? Were you really that mad? Nobody filibustered. Nobody called uh, Kevin McCarthy up to be voted on again as speaker. Nobody took the nuclear option that he gave them at the beginning of this speakership. I'm curious what you think. I was reading something about it that was like one of the reasons that they were able to pass it with a pretty fair turnout for the Democrats, at least, is that this group of Republicans doesn't super care about limiting government. Yeah. That that's not their big motivating factor. If there had been cultural issues somehow tied up in it, that they would have dug their heels in. But Mm -hmm. they're not super motivated by limiting the size or scope of government as past Republican parties have been. That's true. No, I think that's 100 percent accurate. I mean, look at what Donald Trump says he's going to do if he becomes president again. It's like greatly expand the power of the presidency to fire anyone at will, to get rid of civil service regulations. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that they couldn't. I mean, not that hypocrisy ever stops them. Um, but they couldn't in good conscience like crow about limited government and then stand up there and clap along during these Trump rallies, which a lot of them do. So, no, I think that that's definitely a shift in the modern Republican Party is the the idea of limited government. They want to use the power of the federal government to limit speech that they don't agree with, particularly corporate speech, which we'll get to in just a minute. Um, But, yeah, no, I think that that's totally accurate. The most interesting thing I read this morning is that Kevin McCarthy more than – previous Republican speakers, just likes the job. He likes whipping up votes. He likes just the sort of the process of government, which I find very encouraging. I think that's what made Nancy Pelosi a really good speaker. It's just you respect how this works. You just like the process. The rest of them didn't want to do it. Paul Ryan definitely didn't want to do the job. He hated that job. Yeah. I think John Boehner hated the job by the end. And it does seem like he actually, I don't know why he enjoys the job. I think it's a much tougher job with that caucus, but hey, bygones. Have you heard him referred to as a pain sponge? Because I have, right. which I think is a pretty accurate <laughs> lineup. You I know? think he's a pain sponge and a needy love sponge all yeah, at the same time. At the same and time. that's probably what you need to be as a speaker of the House of the Republican I majority. Can't imagine. Yeah. He really wants that job and he's willing to be in that position, which I cannot imagine is pleasant. It doesn't even seem to cause him pain. It didn't seem like he was struggling. It seemed like he liked it. It looked like he was going to kid it across the line. And to his eternal credit, he seemed to have a pretty good team of negotiators. It's not like he sent Matt Gates in there. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, Who were the negotiators? It was uh, Patrick McHenry from North Carolina who got, I think, the majority of the, the credit in the press. And then Louisiana Rep. Garrett Graves. So, you know, okay. just good for them. nice. Good for them. Good job. Good job not crashing our economy um, into oblivion. It's, you know, gold stars for the bare minimum. Good job, everybody. <laughs> uh, see you in one year. Uh, we'll do it again. No, right? no, no. I think we got till 2025. I think we have till 2025. I'm pretty sure. They pushed it oh. past the presidential. Oh, they did. Okay. 
Oh, well, then great job, everyone. Great job. So we can do this completely unnecessary, stupid procedural thing again. It's great. Maybe we'll win the presidency and the majority and they can get rid of it, which they definitely should have done under Janet Yellen's instruction last time. They should have. I, I, I listened to an interesting discussion, too, about the use of the 14th Amendment, that they can't really test it. There's no way to test it without actually doing it, which, of course, is, yeah, that makes sense. But that's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. So. I think we should abandon it. That was a fun little talk. It led to some great editorials. But let's just move on from that, yeah, guys. I don't I, think that's a good idea. No. It, we, can't, we can't risk that as a test case. No. Better <laughs> idea. Just get rid of the debt ceiling. Just yeah. saying. Okay, so that's we got the important stuff done. We uh, averted an economic collapse. Mm-hmm. Good job, everybody. Now we can talk about stuff that doesn't really matter at all, but matters a great deal to conservative media. So much. First off, President Biden fell down, which yeah. headlines, videos everywhere. Can I tell you so <laughs> I saw? Here's what happened. So it was like subtweeted in a succession slut, which is an Instagram account that just shares succession means as sure. like a like a succession joke. And I thought, is this AI? Did he actually fall? Because I feel like it would be everywhere if he fell. Oh, it was everywhere when I went to Google and searched Biden fall. It was everywhere. everywhere. And I was like, oh, my gosh, did he die? The the number (laughs) of times that I saw it. And then I was like, oh, he tripped over a sandbag and got back up. Well, that was what's so funny. I saw the headlines and I saw in so many of the headlines, he was like, I got sandbagged. And I thought he was using that as the expression, like I got sandbagged. Uh And then I saw a picture of him pointing to said sandbag and I laughed so hard. I was like, oh, no, he actually got sandbagged. He tripped over an actual physical sandbag. I I feel so bad for the advanced person. The sandbag was used to weight down a teleprompter. And I bet it was probably the Air Force. I'm like playing out the advanced scenarios in my head. And he popped right back up. Yeah. Right back up. Seemed totally fine. But totally fine. You know, it's of course something they're going to latch on to because he is uh, very old mm-hmm. and they want to show that he's frail and not up for the job. And it's tough. I don't like seeing old men fall down. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> it, it makes me very sad and uncomfortable. And I just, I like to see old men in sweater vests and little hats. I like it when he's on his bike. I feel like it's a little yeah. dangerous, but it does make me feel better Yeah, when he's on his bike. He's very fit for he's his very age. Fit. But looking at another four years, it's, it's it, tough. It is tough. I just really had to make my peace with, I am not Joe Biden. I am not in Joe Biden's body. And, you know, it reminded me a lot of when Hillary was so sick and she sort of collapsed yeah. at that public speaking gig. But guess who's fine? Hillary Clinton. Yeah, fine. Totally, 100% healthy and fine. You sometimes you get sick, sometimes you fall down. And I think for all intents and purposes, he seems very capable. Like, I don't see anything to me that indicates that he is ill or hiding it or, you know, a puppet or whatever, particularly that debt ceiling negotiation, which tracks very well for sort of his leadership and his experience and the way that he thinks about Congress and the presidency. And so I've just had to make my peace like he, he thinks he can do it. And I yeah. have no reason not to trust him. I just don't. And like, w- what's the alternative? Like, right. is Trump the fittest physical specimen? I know he says so, as does that one doctor he had. I don't think he'd have bounced up that fast, for the record. Should we have them compete in some sort of old man Ooh. triathlon and see? I'm not opposed be? to that. That might be something. You're onto something there, I think. Can Trump ride a bicycle? <gasps> Has he ever That's ridden a, a bicycle? Question. I don't. Now I want to know. I don't know. Maybe. I'm Maybe. sure he can. Surely he learned in his little New York suburb, Jamaica estates or wherever he grew up. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I think, but it was so classic the way it was handled. I did think my first reaction being like, is this AI? Because mm-hmm. that's going to have to be our first instinct moving forward. The Pope in the coat got me. It got me. I thought he was wearing Balenciaga for sure. Yeah. And I was like, uh-oh. That's, that's when it was for me. It was like, oh, you got to... You got to check this. You got to really check. Yeah. But that's what we're entering here. We're entering mm-hmm. the AI election. But it seems to have already died down. It'll continue to be used for people who were never going to vote for him anyway. Right. I'm really tired of the NPRs and the, oh, well, they don't think he's mentally fit. What is that? Why would you poll on that? Because people are experts, because they've had a conversation with him, because they're doctors. Don't ask those questions and then run them as headlines for yeah. weeks on end. It really bothers me. Yeah, there's no evidence that anyone would like objectively be able to see for his mental fitness for the job. There's no reason to assume that. But if you ask people, they'll say yes, because they don't like him or they, you know, whatever. Or you're actually just pulling their attitudes about age. So just ask that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like just ask your attitudes and understandings and stereotypes about age. I'll tell you what, I've been listening to Julia Louis-Dreyfus's new podcast, Wiser Than Me. Have you been listening to it? No, I haven't yet. It is excellent. Um, she starts out with Jane Fonda, who's 84, sharp as a damn whip, mm-hmm. like just on it. So interesting. And to hear her talk about like you have to have your health when you get into your 80s. You can continue to function and work and do all the things you want to do, but you have to have your health. You have to have muscle strength. You have to have flexibility. And so like I don't really mind sort of an expanded conversation around that to say, OK, well, I'm asking you to trust me past when we've trusted other presidents, but here's what I'm presenting to you as evidence that I have prioritized my health. Like, that's why I think I like to see him ride a bicycle. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, show me that you're doing the things like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and those planks, although she still should have retired. Obviously. Obviously. But, like, to me, like, if you want to have a conversation about age and what it requires to continue to do this job past a certain point, that's fine. But just to pull people blindly and say, do you have concerns? Like you said, what are we going to do about it? What's How is that helpful? Yeah. I will say, I mean, we did the same to Trump, right? Like when people mm-hmm. were like, he's losing his vocabulary and he seems True. to not be able to drink out of a cup of water. Like we did make some <laughs> assumptions also about his True. mental acuity or even, you know, physical state. So I guess it's going to come sort of with the territory that people are always going to be looking for something. Political opponents will always be mm-hmm. looking for something. But the age just gives everyone an easy target. Yep. And he doesn't give them a lot of other easy targets. That's the thing. No. And he's they got to so, have something. He is so quick on his feet mentally. I mean, like when when he gets interrupted, when that remember recently that little kid was crying at one of his press conferences or something. He was just so quick with the with the retorts, with the the lines like you can't say that he's just reading stuff. Like, right. he is very, he's quick to pivot. Or the State of the Union. Yeah. When he was basically, like, debating with them through the, through the yes. that's when I really, like, let it go. I was like, okay. Yeah. You, you went to Ukraine. You did the State of the Union. I am adequately appeased. My concerns have been addressed. Thank you so much. Moving on. All right. Last thing. Uh, Chick-fil-A's woke. Have Oof. you heard? I have heard that it is no longer the Lord's chicken. <laughs> no longer the Lord's chicken. No longer the Lord's chicken. What a journey. What a journey Chick-fil-A has been on from being arguably and objectively (laughs) anti-LGBTQ. And, you know, because the the founders are incredibly evangelical. And so then we were supposed to hate them because of that. But now we find out that for the past three three years, this is not a new development. 
yeah. not new, that they have had a vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, uh-huh. hot topic, hot topic, poor Eric McReynolds. I just feel bad for him. I feel bad for all the Eric McReynolds out there because now they're going to be getting some weird Twitter alerts and all kinds of stuff. But yeah. Somebody found out that they have a vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and now they are woke. And we are, and by we, I mean hardcore conservatives supposed to be boycotting Chick fil A. And it's like, wow, I guess we'll meet each other on the picket lines and maybe <laughs> sparks will fly, you know? Who knows? Uh, what, will what will we work out? What will we work yeah. out when we're all there together? Uh, do you eat a Chick-fil-A? Because I do. I absolutely eat a Chick-fil-A. Yes. They make a good chicken sandwich. We don't eat there a lot, but it is right down the street from us. Chick-fil-A really prioritizes families with small children. I probably don't eat there as much as I used to, but, like, when my kids were little, the playground was always clean. Yes. It opened doors for you if you had a stroller. It's, like, totally designed if you have little kids to make your life as easy as possible. It's like the Disney of, you know, fast food. And I didn't eat there for a long time when it, like, really first came out and they were taking a lot of heat for it. I didn't eat at Chick-fil-A for a long time. But then when it felt like they sort of addressed some of the concerns, I don't, you know, I can't, I can't go back and, and make Truett Cathy a different person. Like, that's, that's not available to me. And I do think that if you own a massive corporation, like, you can prioritize where you want to give your money. And then I can prioritize how often I want to eat at your restaurant as a, as a result. You know, like, I just think mm-hmm. it has to be a little bit of a give and take. And so, I don't know. I, I eat there sometimes. I don't eat there a lot. I don't boycott it fully. I did for a while. Along with everyone else, now that it's woke and we've got a whole other level, I've been on a long journey with Chick-fil-A politically. Yeah. Now I don't know. Am I supposed to go there? Am I supposed to not go there? Because I did the same thing. There was a while when it was like very obvious what they were giving money to that it felt like I didn't want to give them money. And then it seemed that they stopped those, at least those big money, obvious practices of giving to these anti-groups. Well, I think there was a shift when they expanded to colleges. Like they like they did a, like a whole strategy of going to college campuses, understandably, lots of money to be made there. Yeah. And it felt like when that happened, they were like, "Okay, we're going to have to dial some of this back if we want to yeah. be okay on college campuses." So, like obviously, you can be like, "Okay, well, they stopped." But like you don't know. You can't trace the money. You don't know mm-hmm. what these people give to or whatever or what they believe, and it's not really for us to know what everybody who's involved in a corporation or the owners of a corporation are doing in their own lives. It was more like, maybe not be giving the Chick-fil-A money specifically, but whatever it was, it felt like it had kind of died down. And so then it was like, it's fine. But then I'm sure you read the the statement of like what this office entails of their diversity thing. It's just the most boilerplate milk toast <laughs> language of like, how could anyone read that and be like opposed to it? It didn't say anything. It said, people work here. That's we good. We care about them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Ooh, well, and my dad, he, he found out about this story while he was at my house. And okay. all my like relatives came over for barbecue and they're all conservative and they were talking about it. And he was like, why don't these corporations? Because the other thing that came out around this time is that Target pulled some pride displays out yes. of concerns for the safety of their employees yes. um, in some southern states. Because their their pride presence is usually really strong. Because I think Target has sort of adopted their, we're who the progressives like, stance, good for them, whatever. And so he he was like, why do corporations do this? It's just so dumb. And I said, because they have to get employees. And that's what employees look for, Dad. Like, do you want, what do you want them to do? Just be like, forget it. We don't need any employees. Like, I don't understand. Like, there's a hiring crunch. 
This is what corporations have to do to recruit. To me, like a lot of their posturing, a lot of what they do has less to do with the consumers and more to do with their posture as a, an employer and, and for recruitment. Would they want them to say in their employee handbook, we actively discriminate against this list of people? It feels like that's what they would have to say to make it not woke. And they couldn't do it. What? How, how would that exactly work? Yeah, it, it's very confusing to me. I, I do think that corporations are in this interesting spot. Same thing, Disney, Target, Bud Light, all of them, is they kind of end up in this situation where they're figuring out who they fear more. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. this has been going on back and forth where, where a, a segment of the population pushes a corporation to do something because generally corporations move faster and make more of an impact than government in a lot of these ways with how much money they spend on their employees or what they mean to a community. So it feels like now these groups know that and they target these corporations and then the corporations have to decide, well, we either make this group mad or we make this group mad. And you can see now that they kind of come down on both sides. Sometimes they'll make one move, make that group mad, and then the other group gets madder and then they'll switch, you know. It is a very interesting position for corporations to be in. What are they supposed to do? Yeah. Does anybody feel like anything they're doing is authentic? I think the reason a company like Patagonia stays at the top of those rankings is because it actually does feel authentic because they've been that way from the beginning. Their values are clearly articulated through the product itself. To me, that's what I really want to see. Like, are you prioritizing, not through marketing, but through the actual formulation of your product, these certain values. And how exactly would Chick-fil-A do that? Like, I think hiring, to me, like, my concerns always around companies like that are less where the founders give their money and more any sort of outward discrimination. Like, Cracker Barrel had a real problem for a while. So big that now if you go to a Cracker Barrel, there's a big sign on the door that says, we do not discriminate in our hiring. (laughs) Anymore. Um, Anymore. (laughs) We did for a while. We really turned it around. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think my concerns for Chick-fil-A were a time where are they doing this in a way that discriminates in hiring? Because that's a whole other ball of wax. But anecdotally in my own life, I know gay people who work at Mm Chick-fil-A and who advance up the ranks of Chick-fil-A. And so to me, that's probably where I became less concerned because to me, I really do feel like we need to have a new orientation, conversation, understanding, because we throw around the word boycott. Boycott to me is an organized action with a goal in mind. That's what we don't have in all these corporate conversations. What is your goal? Do you want Truett Cathy to like sell his share of Chick-fil-A? Like, if, if that's it, that's fine. Articulate that and say, we will boycott. I have a little more respect for the ones that are like, we're going to boycott you until you stop advertising on Tucker Carlson. I just think that it needs to be an articulated goal so that we all know what we're doing instead of just, it feels a little performative. We're just trying to show you that we're mad. Yes. Okay, cool, fine. You can do what you want. But like, what what's the point besides just another culture war, another online expression of this, like, What are we doing then? Especially when people are boycotting by destroying products, right? There was Mm -hmm. the Keurigs where they were all throwing their Keurigs around and then they were burning their Nikes. And then now they're rolling over hundreds of cans of Bud Light on like a forklift or whatever. Their message is you've lost us as a customer. So what's the incentive to change to get them back? They are saying we're done with you. Not just a boycott. We're we're breaking up. 
our relationship is over with you. And so we're, we're wrecking everything that and we have. And what a messed have. up thing. You didn't have a relationship with them to begin with. Right. So it is straight. You're right. It's not a, we're not going to buy Bud Light until you end this partnership, this sponsorship or whatever, until you, you know, you don't do any more trans related content or something like that. But it wasn't that. It was just, we're done with you. And so is that what they're also saying to Chick-fil-A? It's not, we'll come back if you eliminate diversity language from your corporation. It's just, we're boycotting you now. The Lord has pulled his blessing of your chicken. Done. There was a great headline that was like, has woke jumped the shark with the Chick-fil-A boycott. And I was like, please let it be so. Because that's the thing. Like, what, what are you mad about? Can you tell me what you're mad about? Any articulation of diversity as a goal, any articulation of equity as a concern or inclusion as a value, we're done. That means that we're enemies. Does that sound right to you? Are you okay? And maybe it does. You know, like, I guess, depending on how racist you are. Uh, yeah, maybe that is the goal. It just it's it's so bizarre to me that just the presence of a DEI officer would be enough. But I think that it has to be like that. The woke to keep people's attention and to keep them fearful, the stakes have to keep elevating. It can't just be that, oh, well, you include in a Disney online video the mention of transgender care. It has to be like you have anybody at all because you got to keep pushing and you can't you got to have something. It was so shocking to me when my dad was here. How often he could articulate, well, did you see this? Well, did you see that? Well, did you see that Adidas had a trans person in a women's bathing suit? I mean, like, it was just like one thing after the other. And my answer was always, no. No, I haven't seen that. But there is an entire industry. And this person who tweeted this, I'd never heard of, but now everybody has, right? Like, he he elevated his platform by by digging, digging, digging and finding something— new woke thing we can all be mad about because it has to, you have to feed that beast. It can't be the same thing. The woke is a, is a ever hungry beast. And it's an easy content creation. Yep. Money-making device for these TikTok. Is he a TikToker or blogger or whatever? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't recognize him, but now I do. Right. (laughs) But you're right. They are coming up with new stuff all the time. And so for these people who consume a lot of conservative media, they feel like it's happening all the time. Yep. So they think, oh, it's out of control. It's happening everywhere all the time. This and this and this. And it's like, it's not coming into our news feeds. It's actually not, we're not living in the same. Yeah. So you're no, not in, at all. Yeah. You're inundated with it. So you feel like it's coming for you. It's attacking. Yeah. So there always has to be something new, but the rest of us are like, I don't what know. Seems, seems fine. I don't know. Yeah. I don't care. And I told my dad at one point, I'm like, do you care? What Adidas does about bathing suits, do you think that that is, like, really, really important? Like, you're concerned about our what we're going to talk about in our next segment, like the fact that State Farm is not issuing new insurance applications for the state of California. Like, that seems relevant. That seems something we both saw in our news cycles that actually has impact. Don't you think that's what we should be talking about and that's what we should be focusing on and not the model of an Adidas swimsuit? I'm just, I don't know. Right. Neither side really loves corporations. So it's so funny to be like, this corporation has wronged me. It's like, it's wronged everyone. Everybody. All the time. All the time. Look at all of the business practices of any company that you think is great for whatever reason. They're doing something that you don't like. They have to be. 
because they're either, yeah, they're either hurting their employees in some way, they're sending jobs abroad in some way. They're not going to do everything that you want because they're in it to make money. They're not in it to please you. It's strange to have allegiances to corporations anyway, to be like, we're, we were an Adidas family and now we're a Puma family because they're not woke. Okay. You know what family I am? Whatever I can get on selling the right size for my kid at that moment in the smallest amount of time. That's what I'm loyal to. So it's just funny. Don't, don't hitch your wagon to any of these corporations. They will all disappoint you because they are there to make money. Yeah. Even the Target one that you mentioned, because they pulled some of their Pride merch. And unfortunately, the things that they pulled were not the things that were made in-house by Target. They were the things that were made by small business, queer businesses that then they got these big brand deals where they were going to get their products out, make a bunch of money and all this stuff. And then they're, they're the ones who got hurt in this, not Target. You know, they are looking at what to pull. It's, it's everything, you know, they're, they're there to make money. Yeah. It's, there's no consistency as if that's what you're looking for. You're not going to find it. And so I think like, yeah, you can be mad all the time on either side. I have progressive friends that are mad at somebody all the time. I will get emails, people mad at me because I said I go to Chick-fil-A. I got them last time I talked about Chick-fil-A. I promise you I'll get them this time as well. I'd rather be mad about people in power. And I, it's not that I don't think corporations have power, but unless I want to be an activist shareholder, I don't have a lot of power inside that situation outside of, an, like I said, an organized boycott with a stated goal, which I'm here for. I'm not mad mm-hmm. at that strategy. I just think it started to bleed in a way that removes any impact or power from that strategy. And that's what I'm concerned about. All right, next up. Are we ready to talk about California? Ooh, California. It's just, it's a little state with not a lot going on. So I think we should be able to cover it really quickly. Okay, good. Can we first start off with why is it raining here? It's June. <laughs> Somebody explain that to me. You understand that this is what my husband says is the problem with California is that you never have to deal with bad weather. And so it makes you soft. Yeah. Oh, we're so soft. Oh, You're the baby softest. soft. Oh, my goodness. You're baby soft. The baby can't soft. Handle just wrap me up in a swaddle. I can't just handle can't. anything except for earthquake and wildfires. <laughs> yeah. Those don't bother us. Totally fine. <laughs> All right. Up next, we're going to talk about California. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We use our phones for everything at this point, but did you know that you can use it for some sexy me time? Don't worry, your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library, a fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. 
That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. My son Oliver is almost two. The desire for more hours in the day has never been more real for me in my life. An extra hour for reading, for sleeping, for working, for playing. I could use any of it. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and to then make it a priority. Therapy can help you figure that out, help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. Just last week, my mom actually asked me about my experience with BetterHelp after hearing ads like this one for it. And I'm telling you what I told her. BetterHelp was the perfect solution for me in a time of my life when I had too many plates to juggle, but still very much needed to talk to someone about the experience of keeping all those plates in the air. BetterHelp made therapy easy and accessible right when those were qualities I needed most. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You just fill out a very brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. Leslie, your guest hosting on the show is well-timed. The New York Times just put out a special California edition of the New York Times magazine, which is weird. New York Times putting out a California edition. But listen, it's relevant. It's the biggest, most populous state in the nation. Yeah. What did they say in that, that, that article? Texas is about 9 million people behind you. That's right. So even with some demographic changes, we do see people leaving California. It's still going to be a while until they catch up. It's still going to be a while. Speaking on behalf of California, it's okay with us uh, when people leave. It's fine. <laughs> Nobody's mad about it. People are like, wow, everybody's leaving. It's like, yeah, good. Bye. <laughs> well, they are mad about it here. Let me just oh, tell you. Oh, they're mad about it in Texas, in Tennessee. Idaho. In Colorado. I've heard mm-hmm. about it. Oh, but- yeah. We even get some Californians here. We had our uh, local property evaluation in some of the surrounding counties talking about how the Californians are coming and buying all the land. And it is impactful because it drives up the property values yes. because Californians are so messed up. <laughs> They've been so uh, brainwashed over what is actually affordable real estate over the decades that they come to a place with affordable real estate and they will pay twice as much what anybody locally would pay because it's still so much cheaper than anything in California. Correct. Yes. Sometimes you tell me the mm-hmm. house prices on your street and, and, you cry. and I cry and I yeah. cry. Yeah. It's, it is wild. House prices are insane. So I do understand people cashing in and, and moving out to get something bigger, get a basement. We don't have those here. It seems so exciting to have a basement. <laughs> now tell us your California bona fides. Let's see. I grew up in Northern California in a town called Vacaville. And we lived in a valley. It was very hot. We were there when Genentech started. So we were kind of in a little bit of the tech boom. Our population growth doubled during the time that I lived there. Wow. Loved it. And then I went to college at UC San Diego. So then I experienced Southern California. 
And then after law school, where I met my husband, we moved to Orange County, the place that I was most scared of in all of California. <laughs> <laughs> so you live, you only time you lived out of California is those years you were in law school in DC? I was born in Arkansas and then moved to California when I was five. So yeah, lots of California time. Yeah. And listen, here's the truth. Like, yes, I'm from Paducah. We all know that. Mm-hmm. You know, eighth generation Kentuckian. But I did spend every summer of my youth in California first, in Northern California, in Fremont, where my dad lived, and I wish he'd stayed, and then in Southern California, in Bakersfield. Ooh. Oh, we do not count that that's part of Southern California. <laughs> what, do we, what do we call it? What would you call Bakersfield? Inland. Inland. Okay, inland. Yeah, the Inland Empire. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Which is an insult, just so you know. That's Yeah, just, yeah, I knew that. No offense to people in Bakersfield, but. Well, it's so funny when I meet people and I'm like, my dad lives in Bakersfield, and they're like trying to be nice and polite. They'll go, oh, uh, yeah, Bakersfield. I'm like, I don't like it. It's awful there. And they're like, oh, God, it's so terrible. <sighs> um, it's just it's just really hot. It's, it's just really hot, hot. And the air quality is terrible, mm-hmm. and it has terrible sprawl. It's also where Kevin McCarthy <laughs> is from. Um, but anyway, so I'm not, you know, I'm not a complete outsider. I do have some many, many experiences inside the great state of California. And so, like, I do have this sort of complicated relationship with the state where I'm like, I probably know just enough to be really uh, prejudicial, I think is probably a good description of my relationship with California. Although it has gotten better in my adult life. The more I've traveled in California as an adult, and I have, like, you and my friend Dave and Caroline, like, who show me a different side of California, the better it gets. I will say that. Yeah, we we like it. It is very expensive here. So expensive. And, you know, it's a very difficult state to manage. And everyone always complains, no matter who's in charge, about the management of it. And at some point, it's just too big to be a state. It is the fifth largest economy in the world, I think. Used to be six. I think we were right behind France. It's just, it's enormously challenging to manage especially the size and the population and all of the different infrastructure issues that we have with water, with travel, with everything. It's really tricky. And and the cost of living crisis, it's a tough job. So that's what a lot of our challenges are, is that we... They're so big. We're so big. We're limited in what we can do. We don't have a lot of representation for the size that mm-hmm. we are. The size. Even in your, like, local politics, I think you probably need way more representatives at the state level. Like, cities like Los Angeles County have way too small of, like, city councils and stuff for the size of the population. The article in the New York Times about the California effect, which is because California is so huge— When they pass regulation at a state level, corporations are basically like, well, this is our new national standard because we're not going to create two different products, be it tailpipes or pajamas. We all get those big old warning tags on our pajamas, (laughs) thanks to California, our kids' pajamas, uh, the flammability thing. Like, we're not going to do two different versions, so we'll just have to do what California wants us to do. And they start with this this representative who was being encouraged to run for Barbara Lee's seat when she said she was running for the Senate. And she was like, well, why would I do that? I have more power passing this legislation in the state house in California than to go to gridlocked Washington, D.C. I think the problem with that is that California is basically a one-party state, right? Yes. Republicans have no real control And I think when you're talking about the world's fifth largest economy, in the same way I would issue the same critique of Japan, 
when you don't have any real conflict, you get to, you know, policies that seem like they make sense but have unintended consequences. One of the big California effects is environmental regulation. They led the way on that. Hugely important. Improve the air quality of Los Angeles. But also a lot of those environmental regulations makes it extraordinarily difficult to build, which is how you get in a housing crisis where you have a ballooning population and not enough housing for everybody. And so it's not that I think that if there had been a more powerful Republican Party that they would have been like, this could lead to a housing crisis. But I do think that there's some give and take that does lead to better policy outcomes a lot of the time. Yeah, it's interesting. It is true that there is a supermajority. It was an interesting time when Schwarzenegger was governor because he was a Republican and I was very nervous about him being governor and he got a lot done Again, because he wasn't... Um, he was like a culture warrior. Yeah, he, it was really interesting. And because he was also big on the environmental mm-hmm. regulations as well. And so it is tricky when you're setting the standards for your state because it is right for your state and they exceed a federal mandate for emissions or anything else. And then everyone in the country goes along with it because that will then set the new standard. And it may push people too fast, too far in states who can't keep up because they don't have the type of industry that we have here. So it it is an interesting push and pull that I thought that article was so interesting because I don't normally think about so much about how California affects other states. And it was interesting to hear about how so much of what we do here sets policy in other states and that now there's pushback from other states to try and do the same thing and set policy for us, which I was like, no, thank you. And I'm like, that must be how they feel. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. I don't think it leads to good policy, the posture that Gavin Newsom has. In the same way, I don't think it leads to good policy, the posture that Ron DeSantis or Greg Abbott has. Like when you're mad about a headline, you're like, I'll show them. I'm like, dude, don't do that. Your obligation is to the people of California. Like, don't fight these battles in this way to, like, kick Walgreens out because I just, in the same way, I don't think that's a great posture, like the sort of the boycotting and the corporate cultural wars. As individuals, I certainly don't think it's a great posture as the governor of California. I kind of want I read that article and I really like Gavin Newsom. I don't have a huge issue with him. But I'm like, dude, like, I kind of want to set him aside and be like, you have massive problems. Do not spend mental energy trying to get back at Greg Abbott. Like, don't do that. That's a bad use of your time. You're running a huge economy, and I think he's is good at his job. The most impressed I was with him was when you were having, like, the really, really bad energy crisis, and there were no rolling blackouts. They, like, figured out a system where they're like, everybody pitch in. This is what we're doing. This is what we're working for. And it worked. And they did it, and they wrote it out, and I was incredibly impressed. And I'm watching the way they're managing this influx of water to try to to deal with water usage later. Like, I think all of that, the bureaucracy of California's management of it's just the natural resources and the natural disasters is very good. And I'm like, focus on that, friend. Like, do not get up in arms about Greg Abbott. Like, just don't. That's not helpful. Don't, unless the thing is, sometimes he will respond in a way that we really like because it is really tricky when these other states, Texas or Florida, are trying to do something that's going to change for us in California. Right. And we do want him to respond. And I agree, he shouldn't be 
he does seem really fixated on DeSantis and he calls him, oh, that guy in Florida. And it feels like they're trying to have some sort of like a WWF, you know, <laughs> governor battle. I don't care about that. But I don't want Texas to write our textbooks for us. And I don't want right. Florida to hurt our Disney economy here by the fight that they're in there, stuff like that. So it's a fine line. And again, it's too big of a job for a governor to do. And he does have to prioritize where he spends his time and energy. Well, and it's so frustrating, though, because, you know, we are the United States of America, not to get super cheesy. And I kind of want to say, and hopefully there are bureaucrats below the surface of these, like, cultural, political fights that are talking to each other, because what you are now facing in California, which is State Farm saying we will not be issuing any new applications for homeowners insurance because of climate, because of the cost of construction, XYZ, has already happened to Florida. And they're trying to figure that out. And there's a part of me that's like, can we all just, you know, come together? Because I think the reality, you know, we say all the time, if you want to know what's going to happen, look at the state of California, that they're the future of legislation, they're the future of policy. But this is the future of the climate crisis, is it's just going to become unaffordable. It's going to become unaffordable to deal with rebuilding, 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 short of just continued massive government bailouts. You know, that's what's happened in Florida. Basically, they're government-backed. So it's supposed to be sort of like the cobra of home insurance is just what everybody's using now. And I would think that California is probably already on that path and going to continue on that path. So is that what we're going to do? Because like that's, I would like the decision makers facing these situations in Florida and California to put their heads together and say, what does this mean? How are we going to move forward? What ideas do we have instead of fighting over whatever, quote unquote, controversy has has got the headlines this week? Right. The insurance thing is, I do think Florida and California are in a unique position on these coastal edges with expensive property of this next version of the climate change battle, which is these events keep happening and they keep destroying homes, and those homes are very, very expensive. So how do we insure them? How does it make sense for the insurance companies to continue spending money on them? It is something that we have got to figure out. The two of them could maybe get together. Can I mention one other thing that Florida and California have in common? They both want year-round Daylight savings time. Oh, my God. You did it. I did it. You did. I'm so happy for you. Oh, my gosh. So we have, you know, we have so much in common. We could have a little meeting. (laughs) Talk about that. Talk about climate change. I'm happy because you have fully indoctrinated me for two populous, powerful states like Florida and California also that share the distinction that I would live in neither of those states for love nor money um, because I like winter like a normal hmm. person. I said it's seasons. raining here. It's winter. That doesn't, no, no. Mm-hmm. What temperature is it outside? I had to wear a sweatshirt. See? No, no. no? That okay. doesn't count. To get together and just bully the rest of us into, so I guess they both want to end daylight savings time or do they want to go to a permanent daylight savings permanent. time? Permanent. Permanent. Okay, that's fine too. I don't Summer care. Time. I really don't care. I don't, I just want to stop switching. The time change. Yes. Yes, I don't care. Whatever they want to bully the rest of us into doing, as long as there's no more changing, I'm fine with that. Because, again, you have fully indoctrinated me. That's right. What a win for me. I'm so proud of you. Now, we started this conversation at the beginning of the podcast talking about pop falling down. So I don't want to end this conversation about California without talking about another aging representative, Senator Dianne Feinstein, Mm. who I believe is 89. Is that right? 
I don't know. She probably doesn't know. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. What bothers me the most about this situation is, so she has come back to the Senate. She looks so frail. She does not seem to understand what is happening when people talk to her. I just like, I'm like, where are the people that love this woman? Yeah. To say, no, we're not going to do this anymore. We have to stop. Like, I just, I'm so, bro- I understand that this the senatorship is tied up in her identity. And I really, here's what I wanted to ask you about. You know, I love Hillary. I love Nancy Pelosi, two of my big faves. And they've both been, like, very defensive of her and saying, we wouldn't do this to a man. And I kind of want to say, like, but that's not the point. We should also do it to men. Like, Strom Thurmond shouldn't have been in the Senate. He shouldn't have been there. That's exactly till what I was going to say. he was over 100 years old. They should not die in the office outside tragic circumstances. Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have retired. Like, yeah. The the issue is not like, oh, well, a woman should be able to, to do this, too. No, the issue is nobody should be able This is not a good scene for anybody. People deserve to be fully represented. And I don't think the state of California is being fully represented right now. I will, again, speak on behalf of us and say, no, we're not. She is not capable of doing the job. It's a humongous job for our population. And to have one senator who needs to be at, I mean... I felt terrible when I saw her being wheeled in. She looks so frail. Just from a human perspective, I want her to be home and recovering. And I understand that they really needed her there to make those votes for the judges. And yeah, it's the same thing. Why isn't anyone in her family saying, I think this is the best thing to do for her, just for her, is to go out on a high note. Let's just, let's call it here. Let's say it's time for her to, to rest and to revel in all of the accomplishments she's had over her very long mm-hmm. and wonderful career. It's frustrating. It was frustrating to me to then see a feminist spin on it that didn't ring super true to me. I didn't think that it was because she was a woman. I thought it was because she can't answer questions when people ask her. And that's been going on for years now where people wow. have said she's confused. She doesn't know what meeting she's in. She didn't seem to remember a conversation that we had and having had a grandmother go through dementia, it is heartbreaking. It's so difficult. I don't know that that's what she has. I'm just saying it was a very difficult thing for our for the family to go through. I just don't know why you would want to continue having her go through that in a public way. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what's so hard, though. It's like you can't have a power of attorney to have someone resign their senatorship. You know what I mean? Like, I think we've gotten to a situation where I don't, and I think this is probably what happens a lot of time. I don't know if she has the capacity to understand and agree to resigning. That's the problem, right? Is like now we've that's passed the point. point of no return where you could argue she does not have the capacity to resign, which is then you're trapped because she also doesn't have the capacity to do the job. That's a yeah. really terrible situation. I know what happened with a senator from Mississippi a couple of years ago where there was lots and lots of rumors and write-ups and talk about his capacity and could he do the job. And so I would not say that gender plays no role. Of course it does because you can't cordon that off in any real meaningful way. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it influences. But again, to me, the feminist solution is not how dare you it's well let's apply the standard in a fair way because if men do it then nobody needs to do it that's not that the feminist solution is not to welcome women into the problematic behavior of men true yes i am excited for the election campaign to see who will run for her it's a hot primary it's already hot it's already Mm -hmm. got a lot of people involved 
they redistricted our area and Katie Porter is now our representative. We took her away some of, from some of our friends who live <laughs> in the next town over and they were very mad. And we were so excited and I was like, this will be short-lived, but <laughs> it's exciting for now. So she's running, Adam Schiff is running, Barbara Lee is running. Is that all right now, those three? I think so. That won't be the end. There will be some more announcements, I would imagine, coming soon. So if you had to vote today, who would you vote for? Katie Porter. I Katie really like Porter. really like Katie Porter. And I would love to see her on bigger committees. She's so good at that role of oversight. She drives a minivan with a little oversight uh, license plate. I just really like her. She's one of my, we don't have favorite politicians, but I would trust her in that seat more than, I like Adam Schiff too, and I like Barbara Lee, but. Yeah, you got an embarrassment of riches, I think, in this primary, so you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. You'll be fine. You have indoctrinated me into daylight savings time, but I don't think I've convinced you to move to Paducah, so I'm assuming you're going to stay in California. Uh, For now, you know, until that big quilt money starts rolling in. Okay, okay, um, okay. You know, you tell them, I could be bought. I'm not above it. (laughs) I love it. Uh, But for now, even with the rain, I'll stay here. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Traditionally, the advice would be pick one. But thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ugh, ugh, out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, a.k.a. bra plum. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. That's code PODCAST15. I hope you guys don't mind to time travel back with me about a year. I was in the process of resigning myself to the idea that part of middle age for me might mean that my hair was going to slowly turn to straw and fall out of my head. Drama aside, we all know that your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. I have tried other custom beauty products and just found that they kind of make my hair worse. But ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair, yes, but beyond that too. I feel like I don't have to blow dry my hair anymore in order for it to look good because it's stronger, fuller, softer, and just looks nicer. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. My custom shampoo and conditioner, for example, were formulated to improve the smoothness and volume of my hair. And I really see, after months of using my custom formula and tweaking it with the review and refine tool for this season, that I have nice-looking hair all year long. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash pantsuit. So go get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash pantsuit. That's P 
P-R-O-S-E dot com slash pantsuit. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, Leslie, outside politics today, we're going to talk about television. Let's do it. And the ways you and I align and diverge. They're pretty extremes, I feel like the differences between our viewing habits. So let's tackle this. Tell us your favorite shows from last year. We're going to do your favorite shows from last year. I think this is last year, this year. I don't know. I'll tell you my general vibe. Yeah, your general vibe. Okay. I can't watch anything sad. So I like to watch. Uh, I am rolling my eyes and shaking my yes. head right now. I like comedies and I like uh, violent shows. <laughs> I don't understand that. Violence yeah. is sad. That doesn't make any sense. No. I cannot watch a show where a child or an animal is in emotional or physical danger. That is my number one criteria, which eliminates a lot of things. I would like to highly advise you skip the new Guardians of the Galaxy. I saw it. It (gasps) wrecked me. When that, spoiler alert, I don't know if this is necessarily a spoiler alert, when that little baby raccoon was Mm. just Mm. learning to articulate language and the first word he said was hurt. Mm-hmm. I've never yeah. had my heart break harder in a movie. Truly. I lost it. I yeah. wept. I walked I thought, out of that How theater. many animals would that be their first word they articulated was hurt? It was brutal. In brutal. the theater, there were some things that happened. And I out loud was like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I curse you, James Gunn. I curse oh. your name. I was... I was destroyed. I was mad. I will never watch that movie again. Yeah, that was that. That is all your boxes. There are children and animals constantly being yeah, harmed. That's what it was. When the first, it was the all the animals. Then all the kids show up, and that's when I was like, "Are you've got to be freaking Why joking are you trying me right to now?" Hurt me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's your main your main requirement. Yes. So I I will watch drama. So we both like Succession, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like creative shows with creative cursing in it. That's a okay. that's a key feature for me. And I like I like cozy mysteries. I cozy like mysteries. I like murder, but that's not super serious. So my okay. I don't assume you have a comfort show. Do you is there something that you watch over and over you don't seem like you would? No. I watch mm-hmm. Psych over and over again. When I'm doing dishes, that's the show that I put on on my little screen. Do you know that show? Do you know Psych? No, is that the one with Tony what's his name? No, that's Monk. Oh, right. Dulé Hill. Oh, I do like him. Yeah. It's like the mentalist kind of. He pretends to be a psychic and they solve crimes. Okay. Okay. So you like the, it's not that you like the murder, you like the solving. Yeah. And it's funny. Okay. 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 So other shows that I like, uh, we both like Andor. No, we don't. No. Oh, okay. I loved Andor. Which I was it. dramatic. Oh, oh, you'll like it. My husband keeps telling me that, but you know, I'm not a Star Wars person. It's not Star Wars. I know. That's what he told me. There's no Jedis. There's no lightsabers. It's just, it's, it's political intrigue. It's great. That's what he told me. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. I'll consider it. I will consider yeah. it. 
now that Nicholas and I agree, you have to. Yes, do. that yes. seems like okay. a good alignment. Yeah. Um, Righteous Gemstones. Love. I know you love. Love. June 18th. Oh, Judy Gemstone. So forever. 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 And it's really succession, hilariously enough. It's yeah. like they're fighting for control. Yeah. It's Florida um, succession. There's just way more violence. Yeah. And way more cursing, if that's even possible. Creative cursing. And, and way more bad behavior, if that's even possible. And more sequins. Yeah. Oh, dance numbers. A lot more dance, dance. numbers. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes, yes. Clogging. I liked Peacemaker. That's a DC show. Uh, it's a very strange tone. Very dark, very dark humor. Okay, Peacemaker, but not sad. John Cena, not sad. Violent. Extremely violent and gory. I don't understand this disconnection yeah. between yeah. sad and violence. I can't quite. Because when you saw, because another show we align very closely on is The Great. The Great. Love but that show is sad. That show makes me cry. I do not find it sad. Oh, What's well, you sad? haven't finished this season Well, yet. I haven't finished. I haven't finished yet. That's right. But I found previous seasons sad. I, when her first boyfriend, Leo, died, brokenhearted. So sad for her. Oh, so sad. But not really. I don't mind. It's so detached. Maybe it's that there's, they're, they don't seem real. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're incredible performances. Very good. The actors on that show are great. No pun intended. The costuming, fantastic. The exactly. cursing, off the charts. Lots of violence. And you get to use the word huzzah, which huzzah. is huzzah. huzzah. It's like I, Roll Tide. That's how they use it. They use it for everything. Huzzah. I always recommend it to people who like Bridgerton. Like, if you like Bridgerton but want it to be darker better. and sexier and with more cussing, um, better than okay, Watch better. the Great. Yeah. It's better. It's now, better. let's talk about where we really diverge. Okay. Reality TV. Ugh. No. Well, let me ask you, did you watch Welcome to Wrexham? No, I don't even know what that is. Oh, what do you mean you don't know what that is? I Ryan don't know Reynolds what it is. and Rob McElhaney bought a soccer team. It's been a <gasps> they whole made big a thing. show about that? Yes. I didn't know that. Oh my, it's so good. It's Okay, so it's like excellent. Ted Lasso reality show. Yes. So it's a okay. reality show. Oh, I can't believe you haven't seen it. You have to watch that. I didn't know Ryan Reynolds had this depth. I'm pleasantly surprised. He's great. You have to watch it. Okay. I'll add that to the list as well. I'm gearing up to watch Love Island. It's coming. No. Why? Because it's so good. Why oh, do you watch so these terrible good. reality dating shows? I Explain, don't Explain. Help me understand, because you also watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Well, yes. I stopped watching it this last season because it's so boring. Yeah, Love that's Island what I think. Love Island is much I think better. I'd love to be offended, but I think, which I guess I am in like a big picture macro way. But mostly I just find them excruciatingly boring to watch. Oh, you would hate Love Island because it's yeah. on every night. It's a British show. I mean, they have different versions, but the British one is the only one. The UK one is the only one to watch. And it comes on every night of the week. I think it's on How like five nights How dare you demand that much of my time? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? You know who can demand that much of my time? Oprah Winfrey. It's the only show I've ever watched on a weekday, every day. Oh, my day. gosh. But it's so great. It's so trashy. It's so st everyone's so stupid. I don't know why I watch it, but it's coming. It's coming for the <laughs> summer. I'm excited. <laughs> don't know why I watch it, but I'm excited. Um, and we watch Survivor now. We started watching Survivor. Beth loves during, Survivor. Yes. Um, so we're still, we're in like season 38 or something. We're not caught oh. up to current, but we watched them all since the pandemic from season one all the way through. Baby Jesus. I've only watched one season of Survivor that my friend's family member was on. Really, it was the one Elizabeth Hasselback was on. That's the oh, season yes. I watched very, very early. And I liked it, but not enough to watch it again. It 
is also so many episodes per season. I can't. I got, I got, I am too busy for the time reality television requires of me. No, you're not too busy. You don't, you just, your brain doesn't operate that way. Mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Now, the reality shows I've watched in the past that I no longer watch. Really, I I stopped watching reality television when we canceled cable in 2011, which was pretty early in the game. Because between 2011, up until maybe like the pandemic, a little bit before the pandemic, it was hard to watch that kind of stuff streaming. Like they didn't make it easy. You know, yeah. before the streaming wars, it was kind of hard. I missed Fixer Upper for that reason. Um, I definitely missed The Bachelor and all that stuff. And sort of, like, just stopped watching all of it. I used to watch very regularly uh, Intervention. So sad. Oh, my God. Oh, my. I would never watch that. Learn so much. Um, Hoarders. Sad. Okay. <laughs> wow. Sad. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Super Nanny. I loved me some Super Nanny. I did watch all day, Super every- Nanny. And Wife Swap. Yeah. I loved me br- some Wife Swap. Brutal. I learned a lot about parenting from Super Nanny. I also learned a lot of parenting from John and Kate Plus 8, which I also watched. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah, you watch sad things. Yeah. I like I a sad show. Sad I want a show that makes me uh, feel sad, bereft, really caught up in the complexity of human existence. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm okay. looking for. And I'm looking to watch something while I'm scrolling on my phone and then maybe fall asleep <laughs> on the couch. No. I also don't <laughs> fall asleep on the couch. I hate that. I hate oh, it when Nicholas I does do that. I do hate it. I don't want to do it. But it's sometimes bad. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to lean over here just for a second. And then I'm like, dang it. No. Nicholas always be snoring during my shows. I'm like, get up and go to bed mm-hmm. like an adult. What are you doing? It's, I've got real Enneagram One energy around my TV viewing, clearly. You have Enneagram One energy around everything. That's true. That's, That's true. the vibe of a one. Yes. That's fine. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. It's probably amazing at this point that you haven't called me Gunner, which is my law school nickname because I brought my Enneagram One energy. I did before I turned this on. I said, I said, Taylor, I'm getting on a call with Gunner. Gotta be quiet. <laughs> yeah. I've been around people when they, she'll call me that and they're like, who is she talking about? I'm like, me. Yeah. The only nickname I ever had that stuck throughout my yeah, whole well, life was Gunner. That's what you get for raising your hand so much. I brought that Enneagram One energy to law school. I'm so glad you decided to be friends with me anyway. That's right. Well, what choice did we have? We didn't. You, you did. I didn't. I don't really give people a choice once no. I decide. Once you decide. I want to be friends with them. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on Pantsuit Politics, oh, friend. It was a delight. We solved so much. We solved TV viewing. Mm-hmm. We solved the entire state of California. It's a big problem, and we solved it. It's a bit, and we did it. We did it. And we solved wokeism. Mm-hmm. And. We figured it out. A little bit of Congress at the beginning. We did it. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Well, I will be back in your ears on Friday with the one and only Nicholas Holland. He's co-hosting with me on Friday. We're going to talk about marriage because we have been married. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Mm -hmm. 20 years. 20 years. That's how long we've been married this summer. So I was a child bride. That's crazy. You were. But Taylor and I have been married 14 years, and it felt like you were married 20 years when we were in law school. (laughs) I was. I was already an old married lady. it was so crazy that you were married. Yeah. Everybody was like, what do you mean you're married? I'm like, what do you mean you're not? Everyone I went to college with is married. Yeah. And five years later, we're all married. Anyway, so. There you go. Should have just caught up with me anyway. All right. Mm -hmm. Again, friendly reminder, subscribe to our newsletter. Please send us your perspectives on Pride Month, Juneteenth, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, all the stuff we're going to talk about in the month of June. We'd love to hear from all you guys at hello at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And until Friday, keep it in y'all.
Pantsuit Politics is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. Elise Knapp is our managing director. Maggie Penton is our community engagement manager. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Our show is listener-supported. Special thanks to our executive producers. Martha Brunitsky. Allie Edwards. Janice Elliott. Sarah Greenup. Julie Haller. Helen Handley. Tiffany Hassler. Emily Holliday. Katie Johnson. Katina Zuganellis-Kasling. Barry Kaufman. Molly Kors. Catherine Vollmer. Lori Ladau. Lily McClure. Linda Daniel. Emily Neasley. The Pettins! Tawny Peterson. Tracy Putoff. Sarah Ralph. Jeremy Sequoia. Katie Steigers. Karen True. Annika Uveline. Nick and Elisa Valelli. Amy Whited. Emily Helen Olson. Lee Shea McDonough. Morgan McHugh. Danny Osmond. Jen Ross. Sabrina Drago. Jeff Davis, Melinda Johnston, Michelle Wood, Joshua Allen, Nicole Berkless, Paula Bremer, and Tim Miller.